Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage? Companion shows the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage. Unlike, unlike Dash Punk, we're gonna last forever, guys. Um, so I'm sad about that. I am generally sad about that. So last week, um, due to accidentally falling through a portal into a frozen nightmare dimension, um, I wasn't here. I know you all might not have noticed since Sereni did such an impeccable impression of me, but don't be fooled. She's a shapeshifter and a liar, and I'm the one true truth. <laughs> anyway, our heroes had some more fun uh, cave adventures and finally got what they came for, but not before getting an unexpected visit from the hot Molgoth they met in the desert, who used their uh, dark Molgoth powers to horrifically mutate a couple of poor innocent drow, eek, um, yeah. Anyway, so there was some giant fighting, there was some mining, there was leaving the mines, uh, folks did some shopping, Campion did some multitasking, and we're going to be doing some chatting starting right now. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Join me today. I have two wonderful guests. We've got Sereni, our favorite DM, and we've got Tick, aka Tickle, um, aka other stuff, aka Sinric, our favorite barbarian. Um, Jay was supposed to be here, but unfortunately, in order to escape that icy hell dimension, I did to make a little sacrifice. So he'll probably be here next week. Maybe. Um, maybe. Let's see if he escapes too. Okay, so first His question. His soul guys. might be trapped like dogs. Right? Someone it's, cast me. It's really poetic. <laughs> poetic and tragic. Like character, like player. Right? Art imitates reality. Um, so first question, did you guys miss me? Yes, God, yes. <laughs> I was going to say I, yes, I, but I wasn't I, here last week. I like being in the background and not having to worry about running a show. Uh, I already have to run one show. Choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Serenity likes doing the little commentary in the back that we laugh at. When we laugh at nothing during the show, that's Serenity making little comments from the peanut gallery. Wonderful. Okay, um, so we do have some ground to cover because I wasn't here last week to ask you guys all pointed questions. Uh, so we had 
some cave paranoia. We had some mining. We had some glowy crystals. We had some shopping. We had some giant drow. So what's the damage? I mean, giant drow. That that speaks volumes. I mean, were they still drow at that point? They were kind of like, you know, perversions. Drow-esque. Undrow. At some drow. point. I like that. <laughs> Undrow, yeah. I mean... Me, I just feel really bad for them because, I mean, wrong place, wrong time for them. You guys screwed them. God, yeah. terrible people. I mean, like I said, me, me as a person just feel horrible for that, but... As you should. As you should. Oh, Yeah, they're just wandering around in their cave doing their cave business. If they said what they were doing there, I forget. Um, cool beans. So... Tick, I did want to talk to you about something that happened not last game, but the game before last, I think. Um, uh -oh. Let's play were... Test My Memory. <laughs> right? Um, it was during, like, the was it the game before last and the game before before last? At some point within the last three games, um, Sinric started trying to bond, it seemed like, with some of his teammates, which was cute. Um, it was during a watch. I don't remember exactly what you're talking about. Something about dreams, maybe? Oh, the conversation with Perry. Yeah, with Perry. So I kind of just wanted to ask, like, what what prompted Sinric or what inspired him to start trying to get closer to his teammates now? Um, well, I mean, just to throw it out there, I'm, I'm kind of working on those, like, um, kind of carving those rocks and everything as like tokens for characters and i didn't really know much about perry as far as what represents her so i decided just to ask interesting so it was like kind of sort of one of those i i don't want to say necessities but you know not so forward forward if that makes sense well, that does make sense um so like what these rocks mean exactly to Sinric? Like, what? Why is this a project that he so, is undertaking? I mean, it's one of those where what I'm thinking is basically as a symbol, as a reminder of what we're going against, um, in hopes of bringing us together as a group, is uniting like even more as a common goal. Like, hey, if we don't do this, if we fail at the you know, this is what waits awaits us. Mm -hmm. So that that's that's the intention that I have behind that action. It's how they morph into Power Rangers. <laughs> exactly, it's it's the new morphers. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, and what fates do await you guys? Um, so I don't. I'm not sure if we checked in with Sinric recently. I may have asked this question to you before, but I don't precisely remember. Um, so you guys are all marked. We saw Campion, uh, sort of realizing for the first time how badly he personally was marked, um, by Tharzun by interacting with the party and kind of going along with their stuff. Have I asked you about Sinric's general attitude towards being, um, cursed, kind of? And has it changed recently with, like, the advent of babies and um, voices in your head that are mutating your enemies, making them more dangerous. Like this is getting a little bit real and a little bit eldritch. I mean, it is. And to be honest, it's something that, you know, in character, I haven't spoken to anyone about, but I mean, you know, 
it's one of those things where he doesn't really feel close but at least you know the conversation with perry is kind of provided that first step so i mean the conversations mm -hmm. will start to open and you know keeping all that stuff bottled up eventually starts to you know come up on people yeah you can't uh, depend too much on your little hip flask you can't i mean but... and that's that's kind of the direction that i'm going is i mean you know you you can't always rely on yourself and you can't always keep things together and like i said eventually that comes to a head internally mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Well, glad Cinderick's making friends. Um, so I wanted to talk to you guys. Oh, I wish Jay was here. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about some of the stuff that I saw happening like throughout your beautiful, wonderful little, little cave vacation, which was the advent of trying to vote um, to make decisions, which I think the party had not really implemented that much previously. Uh, was this a thing that you guys talked about out of character at all, or was it something that happened spontaneously in character? I, I mean, I, I, I don't really <laughs> feel know. know how to answer that. I mean, um, me personally, outside of character, I, I really don't talk that much with mm -hmm. the people in reference to the game or anything. Um, because I, I have a problem with trying to get too into those conversations. So it's easier for me just to take a full stance away from it. Then that way, you know, it just let the game be the game. I mean, I know that doesn't. Last episode too, I, I think. Last I have a question for you, Drew. How much PTSD yeah. did you get from watching them go through the, the caves? It was actually kind of cathartic. Mm. <laughs> How um, did you feel watching them go in like every wrong direction? Oh my god, less cathartic. I think it wasn't. It wasn't so much they were going in wrong directions. It's that they were standing. No, they in were one finding. Place. They were finding lots of stuff. Like they're that, finding like, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For context, I, this has been mentioned on stream before, but in Serenity's game, which we were all playing in, except for Tick, um, we got stuck in a cave for two weeks. <laughs> and it was real fun. I mean, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. Honestly, much less I than two weeks this time, much less. Much less than two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Was it like a day and a bit? Yeah, it was literally uh, like uh, just two a days. One, no, it was well, one, yeah, one day. day. I don't think you, yeah. did, you didn't even long rest in there. Yeah. We, we just short rested. I mean, right. it, and that's where that whole like concept of analysis paralysis kind of gets us mm -hmm. because we want to see everything, we want to do everything, but sometimes you just like can't think of a way to proceed and sometimes a wall is just a wall. That's true. Sometimes it's a wall with a snake in it. Um... Yeah, so I mean, it's one of those where we got to pick our battles and unfortunately we picked our battle on a wall that seems to be just a wall instead of a wall with a snake on it. Snake wall, 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 who knows? Um, that's actually kind of what I thought the introduction of the voting system was there to cure, or that was the impression that I got. Obviously, you aren't talking um, about this with the other players, but do you think that, do you think it's working? Is it improving uh, this analysis paralysis? We work quicker that... to make a decision. So I, I, I mean, for what it's worth, I think it might be a good thing. It's especially, okay. I mean, the only problem, uh, let's see, one, two, I mean, we're a group of, yeah, so I mean, voting might have a problem eventually. Last two can just fight it out, it's fine. We'll have a fight to the Ro death. Rochambeau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's an exciting way to do it on stream. Um, wonderful. Okay, um, so at one point, I'm sorry, I prepped a lot of questions for people who are not here. Um, so at one point during um, the the wandering inside the inside the cave, and I think this was actually shortly before you guys found what you were looking for. There were a couple of voices um, advocating for kind of just leaving, um, or it seemed that way at least. What was like? I don't think Sandrick really chimed in in that conversation that much. But like, what was his? I think I do there? recall saying that you know it it might be better, you know, to actually just kind of walk away from it. Um, I, I think I do recall saying that, but I'm not 100% sure. If I didn't say it, I was definitely thinking it as me as character, because, I mean, it, it's one of those things where we kept running into dead ends in, eventually you're going to get to a point where one of those dead ends isn't going to be a dead end, and then what are you going to do when, you know, people have exhausted everything, trying to figure everything else out. So, I mean, it's one of those maybe to survive and not complete a side quest or mm -hmm. die trying to complete it. And I guess that's kind of like the intent on some of those like dungeon crawl-esque type deals. You know, sometimes that room looks appealing, but you only got two spells left and, you know, we still haven't found what we're looking for. So as far as my management of resources, um, sometimes it's easier to walk away especially when it's something that wasn't needed yeah because it was a favor to someone you didn't really know that well and yeah. possibly an opportunity for profit and, and like it's, you know it's one of those where i think um behind the scenes during you know everything i might have said this like if it was you know like say someone was in the cave that needed you know help like they were kidnapped mm -hmm. or something my character motivation probably would have been a little bit more press on but i mean we're literally going to collect an ore for a thousand gold <laughs> you know it's it's something that a thousand gold is nice but that's not end all be all in the scope of things mm -hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned that this was a side quest, essentially. Um, and Serena, I wanted to ask you, so oftentimes in the same side quests don't go exactly the way you think they will, uh, for instance, with the flump recently. Um, so did this one go more or less how you planned it, or were there any major deviations that you had to um, compensate well, for or no? So when I initially created this, I was just going to have, like, once they get to the entrance, they just like have a straight shot. And then I was like, well, that's not real, really realistic. Like this, these mountains obviously have things like living in them. So I kind of branched things out a little bit. And initially I was just going by the seat of my pants. Cause I was like, I just decided that in the moment I was like, this has to be more than just you get there, you find what you need and like everything is done. Um, and so, uh, and so I, I created that, that like second, like fork in the in the path um and then when i had more time um i added things in that i was like this could be a thing um and this could be something that comes up maybe later uh depending mm -hmm. on how they do it if they make it through if they don't make it through like depending on what they do um and to me it made it feel more real that these are these mountains are home to many a different things that they don't understand and that, that they don't know um 
But I think all in all, it actually went better than I had planned. Um, when they had spent a lot of resources on uh, that, the across getting across the chasm and then going through that hallway and not really finding out the the true crux of like what that all was, um, and then they decided to continue. I was really worried because the the that was supposed to be a very like diff very difficult and deadly encounter. Thankfully, I rolled real poorly um, for them, so like no one went down. Uh, in the battle. Um, yeah, the damage was no joke. Yeah, it was a lot mm -hmm. of damage. Um, I think I, like, missed, like, four or five times with, with creatures who had, like, multi-attacks. So, um, so, like, it ended up turning out really, really well for them. Uh, they ended up having a tough battle, but it ended up being, uh, like, really positive. And they actually used their resources, like, the resources that they, they, that they did have left uh, quite well. So, um, so that actually felt really good because there were plenty of times where I've, like when I did the previous one with you guys, uh, where I've done side quests and I'm like, wow, this is going really poorly. Like this was supposed to be fun. Um, and eventually it was when you got to the end and met the beholder and everything like that. But like, there are some points where as a DM, you're like, shit, what did I do? Like I fucked this up. This was supposed to just be like a fun and side quest that maybe foreshadowed something later on or, or showed some piece of lore in the world. Um, yeah, no, this one I think went, quite well so I'm actually quite happy awesome. um yeah so talk to me a little bit about the fight with the giant mutated drow um and at what point did you decide to uh feature the the um champion authority student I think is what we're calling them yeah um yeah so I was never actually intentionally going to have them be a part of it I always mm -hmm. knew that there was going to be this happening in uh, in the caverns uh, because I want the characters to have this understanding of like it doesn't matter where they are or when they are or what they're doing like this thing is following them like this this thing that's marked them is is with them no matter what they do even if they're doing the most mundane thing uh, it, it could crop up on them and be something completely di different and, and terrorizing and, and harrowing but then I just got this idea of um, I, I I remember like how uh, Jay was playing Campion and Campion was still very much like I'm not a part of this like this is this is you guys like I am just um, and I think his character had not realized Campion as a person had not realized like when he was asked you you know when he was told you do not need to go into these ruins like you you can stay out like if you stay out there like you're you're probably in a better place uh and he he said no i'm i'm going in like that was the moment and i think it didn't dawn on him as a as a player or a character um that that's what happened to him and so he's constantly been being like all this shit's fucked up i don't understand it i don't know why like what's wrong with you people and i i wanted to have that be very very apparent that it's not you people it's like you're included campion you're you're part of this now you got to stick with this you got to see it through because um because you're you're stuck uh and so i figured having that that being uh be there and also i want them to have this like overarching foreboding presence like these these characters these people don't understand what this thing is uh, they assume it's, you know, a harbinger of Thar's Dune, but they, what does that mean? Like, what does this mark mean? Uh, what does this power over us mean? 
um, why are the gods interested in us? Like, why did we have to go to Avonhurst? Um, and I wanted to tie that all together. And I think that 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 moment kind of helped solidify sort of some of these ideas to help the players start piecing things together. That reaction that Campion had was priceless, I, I will say. Oh, he was like shitting that, his like, pants. Epiphany moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was shitting his pants at first. He's like, we gotta go. Um, and uh, and then uh, when I had him make the intelligence check and piece it together, I think Jay realized, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not just a part of this party because they've got a new character and and it's like, no, you're you're a part of this group. It's like everyone who stumbles in there just kind of like, well. And it's quite know. interesting for Campion because he did not go to Avonhurst. He does mm -hmm. not have the same, he's not had the same interactions as say like Oriana or even Perry or Quinn uh, or even Sinric and, and Baltaim. Um, so he's kind of in the dark about all of this. It's interesting. Uh, okay, so let's talk a bit about the actual um, battle with those mutated um, drow. giant drow things. So was that one of the things that you just like made up uh, when you were expanding the mines or was that something planned earlier on? Oh, that was uh, this, when I made this side quest, I knew that those were going to be the end battle of, of mm -hmm. the mine. Um, I... Uh, I just was like, well, what would make sense being inside, um, being inside like this dark cavernous area? Like what would live here beyond weird creatures, giants, and like the beasts that they've seen on the outside? And I was like, okay, well, there would be, there would be drow, like drow, like live in and have societies potentially mm -hmm. in these places, or maybe outside on the mountain somewhere, like they don't know. But I was like, okay, this makes sense. And then I wanted there to be like, the opportunity to interact with these creatures to see if the party would insta attack them, would try to entreat with them, would have a conversation, um, and then realize what was going on. And and I don't like I think they've seen a transformation once before, which is at the very, very beginning of the game, um, with Logan. Um, <laughs> but at that point, they hadn't uh, it was the first time they were still trying to grasp like what was going on and everything like that. Um, and it wasn't, that wasn't because of them. That was because of something else. I think now they're realizing like they're carrying with them this thing um, mm -hmm. and it can happen at any time and to any person. What does that mean? The dread. Um can I get the player's perspective to tick of this like battle and also and also watching this transformation because the party did choose um, to try and interact with these drought to have a conversation with them and then all of a sudden they were just turning into giant monsters pretty harrowing I would think I, I mean it was definitely a moment of suck but I mean <laughs> it's one of those where yeah I mean I'll process it once we're out of the cave mm -hmm. um but that that's and I could be wrong on this, but I, I was looking at someone that may have been trained for battle as okay, this situation is in front of us. Let's deal with it, suppress everything, and then deal with it later. That um, makes sense. And that's that's kind of you know keeps going back into how I play the characters. You suppress everything, you keep it down, and eventually that stuff's gonna boil up and you know come to the front anyway. But 
I mean, as far as the battle, I think I cracked myself when I went to like 13 health or something like that in rage from like full. Well, I don't, I don't think it was full, but I think I was like 10 Close, HP yeah. off. Yeah. And I think, I think you, I think, I think it makes sense for Sinric too, given what his backstory and what he's been through and everything like that. I would see that he, he would be one of the, the lesser characters to kind of mm -hmm. like lose it in that situation, but have to process it later and try to understand yeah, I, it. And like I said, I mean, that that's kind of the route I'm going for is to have that emotional detachment. And then eventually that'll come back and, mm -hmm. you know, into play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's that's the plan I'm trying. At the most unopportune time, I'm sure. Um, yeah, but that's the impression I've gotten from Cynic, too. He's been mostly calm about just about everything. It's, it's funny that the character a, that goes into a rage is mostly calm. Well, calm I'm rage. treating rage as a mechanic. No, no, and, I, I, mean, I think yeah, it's yeah. I think it's very, very interesting that the one character that has this ability is actually the most stalwart of the the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and that was even but when a I created. A, yeah, when I created the character, it's like okay, I, I don't want to be something traditional like barbarian esque and you know be angry and smashy at everything, mm -hmm. but. I mean, it's one of those where I'm literally just treating rage as a mechanic, and it's made yeah. things so easy for me for story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be great once all those emotions just start flooding. Wait, them. just <laughs> wait. And, and and I mean, you've already been starting with stuff like that. I mean, there's already mm -hmm. stuff in my head, and it's like, oh crap, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> oh, but you're gonna have to. Yep. Yeah. 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 We're all very excited. Um, so these giant drow monsters, were these uh, fully homebrewed monsters or did you start off a base or? No, they actually are, I don't know where they're from, but they are literally, uh, you can get them. Now, I don't know which book they're in, um, but they are from either a module or a, uh, or one of the, one of the like books that has like creatures in it, like new monsters mm. in it. So it's de it's not homebrewed. Um, it's uh, from one of the supplements. Uh, I have all of them on D and D Beyond, so I couldn't tell you exactly which one they come from. But um, but yeah, they were just something I found like randomly um, spinning through stuff. I often like determine like, do I want this to be homebrewed or do I want this to be uh, something that I find easily? And generally, I tr I more so homebrew the stuff that's. Um, that's like less side questy, like, cause mm -hmm. I, cause it's, cause to try and tell my story and the, the, the story of the world, uh, I generally have to like shim things in. Cause like the, the vision of the world that I've created is different than like, say for forgotten realms and like the traditionality of like, what is it? Toral is the word, uh, the world I think. Um, but like uh, when it comes to side quests, it's often much easier to just like take creatures that are already mm -hmm. created and, and use them in, in that way. So uh, yeah, they were actually not homebrewed. Oh, awesome. I mean, creatures, yeah. you could even take those creatures and just like reskin it to something else. I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be like in the same category as what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, I think I changed like I changed their appearance and like what they actually yeah. were and just use the template of what's what's called a mutated drow. Like I think in the uh the, the books, they're actually like just giant like they've just been giantized basically and they like they speak uh they they're not in uh in unintelligent or anything like mm -hmm. that like in this they had become like you know Monstrous. a goop of a goop of what they originally were um and uh but in the actual i think they just they look like drow just like giant fucking drow you know um yeah. so this this was uh this was a little bit different so i didn't skin them differently 
I mean, I, I, I equate it to what we're seeing. There was a movie a while ago where, you know, a bunch of like people went to a circus and got mutated by this like crazy mad scientist and they turned like the people into these giant like weird versions of themselves that had like misshapen eyes and like skin melting in places and yeah i just tried to think of it as like traditional body horror you know if you watch like any kind of body horror movie like just imagine any one of those scenes and like that's what happened with these people (laughs) i did like the transformation scene though you could like you could almost hear like the bones crunching like the sound of cartilage going (sighs) yeah yeah what i wanted it's it's grotesque yeah yeah gory it fits um, the theme of the campaign so far mm-hmm. weird <laughs> sorry he's like oh yes this has been a horror campaign this whole time i i think yeah we're, we're just kind of like getting into that aspect though i think as far as the story mm-hmm. or as far as like it's gonna get weirder. really understanding that i guess is the concept get weirder. yeah most campaigns do have like elements of things that are scary though yeah, gen- yeah, generally. Like there are, well, I mean, there should be moments of like, oh shit. Um, yeah. But I definitely wanted this to have like, there, there are so many things in my background of like things that I enjoyed when I was younger and stuff like that, that I don't generally get into as much um, today. Like I don't generally watch a lot of like body horror movies and stuff like that anymore. Horror, horror used to be my favorite genre, um, but it's fun to like think of how you want to describe things and give mm-hmm. that descriptor to people and see how well you can actually create your own element of horror in a game. And I think I'm having fun with that and like using all of the, uh, all of the stuff that I've read or experienced as I was younger up until like today, up to until my present and bring that into this tale. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Awesome. It's been very fun to watch. Um, okay. And with that, I think we're going to move on for our topic for today. And the topic is, beach episodes um so in D beach episodes obviously it's usually not a real beach um this usually takes the form of like a festival or a carnival or a bathhouse um but it's essentially a session where the plot takes a little bit of a break or takes a backseat to the character just kind of doing lighthearted stuff that's fun um so first off my broadest question is What's your opinion on like planned downtime for session uh, for um for D and D games? Is it, are these kind of sessions fun? Are they boring? Are they either depending on how they're run? And I think they can be either, but I, I'm of the mindset that I think there are required in a longer campaign because it gives players and characters a chance to decompress and have fun without the fear of dying every episode. Um, so, and that does go a long way as far as like character growth and a lot of your character bonding moments can happen over stuff like that as well. Yeah. I I think it depends on your group. If you have a very like dungeon delvey, constantly want to be in the thick of things group, it's probably not something that they would enjoy, but I think in a group who enjoys like our role playing their character moments and really digging into like who their characters are and their personalities, um, and facets of them. Uh, I think like those like fun nothing episodes whether it be just shopping or like you said like a bathhouse or going to the beach or having fun at a festival um, offer those moments where characters can discover things outside of oh you're a 
you're a bard and you cast spells and like I didn't know you could cast a spell versus like I didn't even know you enjoyed this random thing that likely doesn't have anything to do with like the the main story but it's just a cool facet of a character that you'd learn that you learn when you get to know another person uh that don't necessarily get to be shown uh in the general thick of things when you're running from quest to quest or trying to save the world or whatnot so um so I think I think they're great uh I try to have them every once in a while the thing that I don't generally do what is what a lot of like dms do um I find it hard to find like breaks in my campaigns because I generally have like a very flowy set of arcs for for my campaign I find it hard to find like those downtimes where where they'll just be like guys you have like a month of downtime what what would your characters do with like get that ready for like next week and tell me what your characters would have been doing within this month or you have like two weeks or you have a year um I generally have a hard time doing that because I have a plan of like how each arc is going to flow into the next one and I know some DMs specifically have like an arc end and then another one happened like you know months later uh you know the 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 characters are together and in a you know almost like starting anew again but they're a cohesive group and like something blows up and they have to solve it um so I generally don't do that but I will give episodes here or there where um characters can kind of have a little bit more fun and I, I can see story beads for doing something like that, like visually ending an arc and, you know, characters going on their own and then starting like the next episode. It's like, oh, crap, this is happening. Wait, I know the person that I can talk to. And I mean, you kind of have that downtime for character bringing plus bringing into the story. But yeah, it's it's hard to plan like long downtime. And, and that's, um yeah, like it it's weird because like even if you want to say learn something learn a skill or something like that you kind of need those prolonged yeah. downtimes but it's one of those and, and i'm guilty of this i don't like trying to learn like new skills learn new languages or stuff like that in D because it takes so much time as far as like downtime and it's something that you really just don't get a whole lot of i i uh I recognize that and I know like a lot of people like look forward to that. Thankfully, I think like the group that we have, I've explained, like I generally don't do that and the player, the players are okay with that, but I have ways for them to still learn stuff or I supplement that with other stuff like later on in the campaign to still feel, to make sure that they still have that epic feel of like, okay, I still gained something, whether it be through a magic item or through some other facet of role play or experience. Um, I just do it that way because for me, I don't know, just saying like, yeah, I spent a month learning draconic and going to a teacher every day is like, okay, well, I guess you could have, but no. It's actually a great topic and I'm going to write that down real quick before I forget it. And I mean, doing stuff like that is great if it happens in the course of what you just said. So like, I mean, hey, we have a downtime episode. What did you want to do? Okay, you spend your month doing this. Great, next person. And then we pick right back up. Yeah, a lot, well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of DMs will have like an end of like a specific arc. And then they'll say, you know, next week, guys, just come back at me. You've had a month. Just tell me what your characters have been doing for that month. And we'll like go through it very quickly. And then they'll yep. have the thing happen. I just generally like, I find it hard for me to like hard kill a portion of the campaign and have the, the characters like sitting around for like a month or two months or whatever um i generally like like have very 
specific story beats. And for me, it's hard. Um, I don't know if I'll do that this campaign or not. I, I have no idea. I might, I might not. With, with how our group interacts, I can see if something like that happens, we'll probably split up by like a day or two and everyone kind of go their own way. Yeah, and then come I back mean, together at some point. Yeah. If something happens that warrants us coming back together, absolutely. Well, if it doesn't, Dream? I guess we start. Well, uh, but I guess you, you we know start what I'm a new saying, campaign. Though, I mean, but you, you know what I'm saying, because yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we as characters will have that expectation, or we as players will have that expectation, but we as characters, it's like, in the character's perspective, it's like, okay, well, we just finished this, so. Yeah, it, yeah it really depends. Yeah, mm -hmm. plus, I mean, those time skips can be kind of nice in some cases, because it allows characters to showcase, like, new skills that you exactly. picked up yeah. while you're away. So I can't say I'm not a fan, but it, it's one of those time and place things. Exactly. 100%. Mm -hmm. So you two mentioned different kinds of downtime. Um, Sarah, you mentioned that you don't usually do like long drawn out time skippy type stuff. Like it's not a month, it's usually like a day or something like that. Um, Tick, as a DM, do you tend to have um, shorter little downtimes or those longer month, maybe months long downtimes? Um, from when I did that stuff, it was, you know, easier just to do short downtimes. I mean, because, you know, it's when you play a game, it's like, okay, we're going to have a fun episode today and we're going to test the waters to see if everyone likes it. And I mean, yeah, you kind of play it by your group, but me personally, I enjoy those smaller downtimes. Like you have a day here, you have a week here, you know, what are some things you want to do in this town? I mean, you know, do something fun or productive that you would like to do and interact with people. And you get a little bit of an RP feel with everyone and, you know, you get character growth. Mm -hmm. So with these downtimes, and I know there's obviously a lot of variety, do you guys as DMs usually have like little activities planned? Like there is a festival or there is an attraction around here, or do you let it be more character driven? Like what do you want to do? Just leaving it open or both? I think I've done both. I think because at the very beginning of this campaign, I had the fe I had the festival in in uh, Avonhurst, and there was like a time to do that, and then uh, and then I opened it up to like the the players really to choose whether they want to have a more downtimey episode. Like there have been a couple of episodes where it's just been like full RP because like the the characters have been shopping and then chatting with one another and getting to know one another. Um, and yeah. then for instance, like when they were in Zerithamar, they went to that dan dance hall for a night just to like let loose. And like, I had to make that up and, and we tried been, so hard to get there and um, like every and they, single, you know, two characters did, did drugs, you know, like, um, just to have some, uh, to have some like brief levity, um, in, in, you know, the things that were happening around them. So, uh, I, I think I do both. I, I, um, again, I really like the the shorter like oh here have a day um because then i feel like you you'll spend the session like actually role playing that day and characters enjoying themselves versus like if i say well what would what did you do for a week it's generally like okay well i did x y and z and then you you get through those things and it's like there's no role play generally not a lot of role play that happens there it's just more like okay i checked these three things off off my list um so and that's pretty much, I'm, I'm right there with you. The short form kind of downtime just gives you a better player experience. Um, yeah, I do remember the festival. It, it seems so long ago, both 
in game and out of game. Out of game actually was pretty long ago. In game, maybe a month. No, it's been what? uh, it's been like two months. I've been like two months. Okay. Yeah. Still a little Relative. salty on that festival for having a minus four on everything. Oh, right. Yeah, right. I died. forgot that was right yeah. after you died. But you know, it happens. The next time I won't. Uh huh. I believe that Hopefully. festival was, Maybe. um, there was a foot race, I remember vaguely, yes, there in was. the festival. And I think that was where um, we had the infamous Dobby butt acid scene. I think that was that episode. Yes, when wasn't he it? went, uh, it well, was. wasn't, I don't know if it was that episode or the episode after, mm-hmm. um, but that was, yeah, when he went to the merchant and was like, I can I get explosives for, from one merchant and then acid from another merchant? He got I, I've been... It was fun. <laughs> he probably might have got the acid if he didn't mention the whole butt bit. Yeah, he was literally, how much acid would I need to, like, uh, like erode a hole in a person's anus. And I was like, okay, that's like, had you asked, had you just been like, Hey, do you have any like acid? I need it for whatever. Um, the merchant might've been like, sure. I just don't want to know. But when you literally say, I'm going to drop it mm-hmm. into someone's drink and make sure that they burn a hole through their butt, uh, the merchant might be a little less inclined. To- yeah. It's like past yeah. the point where you can. Well, it's like aiding know. and abetting, right? It's like, am yeah, I right? gonna be, are they going to come <laughs> after me for, sell- yeah, for selling this? Like at some point you just don't have plausible in a city deniability. Of, of the creator gods that is generally mm-hmm. a, a good aligned city. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sometimes. Um, yeah. So it has been a while, but I did want to talk a little bit about, um, about that festival. Cause I think that was sort of the last, planned day i think in this yeah uh, probably unless we're, ca- like unless we're counting the dance hall downtime drums. yeah yeah the dance yeah. hall was like more players done but that was like a planned one yeah yeah so i want to talk about um kind of what made that fun for both you and the players since we have a player here and also what goes into planning like a day of levity versus play versus planning an adventure a normal like dungeon type thing I mean, decompression, mm-hmm. I, I think, would be, like, leading right there. I mean, you just finished sh- something traumatic. So, I mean, let's give the players and characters a chance to, you know, take away from that for a moment and, you know, have something fun. Maybe yeah, you get a silly reward. I need a break. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I honestly had that planned before Cynic had like had died in that i I didn't think anyone was going to die on their way there Mm. i was like no no one's going to die on on their way there um it just worked out it yeah it really worked out that it was like okay this is perfect the the players are going to need this the characters are going to need a chance to like take a breath uh because things are going to ramp up and get more serious once they have to make their way up the mountain um but in terms of planning it, I think it depends on what you're planning. Like the festival took quite a bit of planning because I had to plan like, okay, what are the games? I wanted to try and use games that I hadn't used in like previous like previous campaigns. I wanted to try and think of things that I tried to think of something that each of the characters would be good at, could try their hand at mm-hmm. and maybe maybe win at based on like their stats and, and where their skills lay. Um, and then I had to think up like, okay, what are the prizes that they're going to get if they if they win um and i wanted to have things that were you know all the way from simple to to could be really really useful um so that takes a bit of time but then depending on like if the if the players are like we just want to go to a bathhouse and relax 
um, that's a little bit easier to kind of like plan out because basically you just say, yeah, sure. There's one in, there's one in the city. So I think there's some that are driven by DM, like a festival mm-hmm. or some forced event that the players can choose to ignore or like it's right in front of them and they do uh, because it's there or it's done by the players themselves where they're like, we want to go to a bar and we just want to get really fucking drunk and like slam it out all night. And, and that's it. Um, and then for the DM, that's fairly easy because you just say like, yeah, sure. You find one, you get, you get a bunch of drinks and then the floor is open to the players. And then the players generally will RP that out themselves and they mm-hmm. kind of have the floor to do what they want. Uh, and then you only have to step in when they're like, Oh, I want to interact with X thing. And you're like, okay, sure. Fine. Um, so I think it really depends. Uh, the preparation depends on which one it is. That makes sense. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, we're sticking with the festival theme for the moment about what goes into designing games for a festival, because they're not battles, but they are skill checks, but they're not quite puzzles, but they are a little bit, um, I remember the foot race. I remember some of the games that you set up for our campaign way back when. Uh, so how, how do you make a game? How do you make it fun, but also a bit challenging, but also fun? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Tick. I, I was just going to say have that element of luck. And I mean, and that's where kind of the skill check comes mm-hmm. in. Um, I think the funnest game that I've ever played, and this wasn't even a game that I actually made this was something that someone else did but it was actually just dice um our characters played dice in game and we betted in you know a neverwinter tavern to make gold for a campaign and it was just as simple as everyone had a d4 a d8 and a d10 and you know they publicly rolled a d20 and you had to make deception checks if you wanted to like lift up your cup to see what happens and try and change your dice and other people could you know perceive if you did that and stuff like that and you know it, it was just something that gave you you had the opportunity to straight face it and bet and you know to play towards character strengths but everyone was included in the same game it does sound so fun. That, it, and it was just a silly little thing but i mean it, it, it yeah i think that was about the most fun um but as far as like, yeah, you, you got to have some type of luck in, I think that's where the skill checks kind of come in because, you know, the dice will tell you what you do and don't do. Yeah. Also, can I say, if you have proficiency in dice or cards, you hardly ever use them. <laughs> I think there should be more opportunities to play cards and dice in game. It's my position. It's true. I mean, th- yeah. it, it depends on, yeah, it depends on the game i agree there there aren't a lot of places to use um to use those skills but also there aren't a lot of like times where like you're proficient i mean unless you're a bard and then generally you just get asked to make a performance check but there are a lot of like backgrounds that give you proficiency in an instrument and like never use it's like you have proficiency in flute and it's like when when do you ever make a flute check you know Um, like yeah certain druids get instrument proficiency as well and exactly. it's like why yeah um or same with like even like um like cartographer's tools like yeah. most of the times you get given a map like how many times you make a check to like make a map and how long does it it takes a while to make an actual like decent map yeah um, you know like a, a, a fully detailed one so it's like some yeah. of these some of them are yeah very like but again i don't think that they're i, I think that there are, are times and places for them you just have to you just have to find uh find them 
uh, in the game or make them for yourself. But mm-hmm. in terms of making games, yeah, for me, um, I often will like look around online and then see a lot like because again I, I don't like to reinvent the wheel if I don't have to but I, I look around online and then I will take an idea and either modify it or maybe just straight take it and use it in my game um there are um the uh like the karaoke battle one was um was just me I love karaoke in general and and then we had a bar in the group and I was like okay we're gonna RP this out let's see how well you can go um uh, but I still allowed the performance check at, at the end of it. But I said, you got to gotta sing a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that is both mean and entertaining. Critique. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, if I got to do all the voices and everything else, you're in a sing. It's only voice. fair. Yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I, I like I said, and then I, like, like Tick said, it's important to have all the players feel like they can take part in at least one, if not more mm-hmm. of them. And so it's always trying to find um, opportunities where at least one of the game games is tailored to a stat or a specific background or something like that for a player so that they feel like, oh, I'd be good at this. Like, I'm definitely going to sign up for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can have those players who are just like, I'm just going to sign up for everything and see like, what I, what I <laughs> so do, which is fine fun. as well. But I, I always like to make because there are those players that sometimes are like more of like the wallflower and kind of doesn't want to get involved or doesn't want to bet their money because at the beginning of the game, you don't have a lot of it. Um, and it's like, give them an opportunity to say like, hey, you might be really good at this. You have like a plus seven to your check. So you might as well try it. Now, I mean, do you mind if I have like a follow-up question for that? No, go ahead. How do you feel about like potentially rewarding characters that break out of what they're proficient in to try, you know, like some of those festival games that they may not have proficiency or even good roles in because it creates like a learning experience or just a fun experience for a character? Oh, 100%. Like, I mean, whether even if it's a fun, like crappy role that they have um but especially if they do well i mean obviously you you were like hey you you reward that play and you make them feel like you know they they did really really well i i am definitely not the type of dm that uh that uh says like oh this wasn't a game for you this wasn't meant for you so therefore you like you're, yeah you're punished yeah. for it or like you don't deserve to win it i mean like i think uh i think perry did the race and she actually yep. did better than Dobby who had better yeah. de- decks than her. Um, and she ended up getting like second and as she should have, like she did, she had really good ideas for how she would like get ahead. And, uh, and she didn't use any of her spells or any, anything like that. Like she just like had some good ideas for like how she would push ahead and like use the skills that she had. So um, I love like rewarding, like smart play like that and, and seeing uh, the atypical character do well at something. Awesome. Um, okay, so when would you guys say is like the appropriate time to slot a downtime episode in? Because um, Serenity was saying like she is very, she has um, plot arcs that sort of flow into each other. So it's not always that easy to find uh, a place to pause on purpose. Um, so like how, how do you fit these little episodes of downtime in? Because I think Tick, you were saying they're pretty important for things like character and player um, decompression. So how does that fit? I mean, it, it's something that you kind of, it, it, I don't really know exactly how to answer that in the way I want to, mm-hmm. but it's like, I mean, if, if you're playing with a group of players, 
you can kind of pick up when someone's not having fun or when their demeanor changes on something or they might feel stressed out on a certain uh, situation. So, I mean, it's one of those where it's like maybe, hey, you know, you're walking to the shop, but you see a bathhouse, for example. And it's like, oh, well, we haven't had a bath in a week. Let's go there first. And it just kind of like forces into that moment. But whereas like a big event, I mean, yeah, like the festival happened to line up, you know, just like we were going there anyways, and the festival was there. But yeah, I mean, unless you have some type of story beat, it's kind of hard just to like do something like that. I, I can see maybe have a town crier somewhere saying, hey, festival coming up in, you know, like three days and then finding a way for, yeah, a group yeah. to, you know, stick around for that. But I mean, I, I think it's more like reading the group and finding out when those things should happen as opposed to just like planning, like, hey, so in more four sessions, I'm going to be, you know, in this town. So I mean, more based me, on player, more based on players and plot. Yeah, it, and that's just me personally. I think, um, I think easy ways of like introducing the opportunity for that. Again, you can't force players to do anything, right? Like you can say like shiny hotel right in front of you. And the players are like, fuck that. Like we have to, <laughs> we have to, we have to figure this shit out or Tharsdun's going to awaken. And we don't have time to like go into this shiny fucking hotel. Like, I don't, I like, that's nice, but like, I don't want to do that right now. And so they can kind of completely divert themselves away from that. Um, uh, I'm actually the type of people hate me in game because I'm the type of person who's like, fuck all this frilly crap. I don't care. I want to play story. Um, and so I often will like try and get a group to like go in the opposite direction of that stuff. Cause I don't, I, I just like, I'm like, uh, really? Um, uh, but, um, but it's up to the players. I think the, when I try and slot them in is like when they get to like a new society, or a place where they're not like traveling on the road. And then I'll put something in front of them and I'll be like, Ooh, here's this shiny thing. You're welcome to investigate it or do something with it. Or you can completely ignore it. That's like on you, but I'll like put it there. Um, again, even a festival, like the, the players can decide, like we want to take part or during this festival, we actually want to do a heist on X building because there's something there and they still want to do like the serious stuff that, uh, actually gets them further in the in like the the, the plot arc uh, so it's really dependent but yeah that's when I try to slot them in like generally in each um, in each city they go into I'll have like something that's just like random has nothing to do with anything and gives them an opportunity to like discover beyond shopping obviously uh, but like in Zarithamar there was the library they got those books they like learned some stuff from those there was the dance hall like there's all this other stuff that they could like potentially interact with that is not necessarily going to further a side quest or the plot specifically but might open up say character backstory or character's understanding of the world and the lore i mean that's actually a good yeah a good point i mean because there's a lot of cultures we just don't understand even in our game so it's like you know, we, we go to a city and we do something we're just so used to doing and it turns out it's like a crime. Like, you know, say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that that's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it works. I mean, we, we were, 
the victim of you know such a circumstance uh, circumstance by going into this town and not taking the opportunity to explore the surroundings or even ask anyone other than the fact that we know it was a seedy place so mm -hmm. we had all the information present to us but you know we just yeah so but yeah that that is a good point you know it's kind of introduces like new societies and how they do things yeah that's a good point um since yeah now that you talked about this i'm realizing that a, a beach episode or downtime episode is also a great opportunity for world building and for lore dumping and all the fun stuff that you can't always do when you're battling um mutated drow mm -hmm. um Awesome. So I think we had one more time for one more question um, for the end of the episode. Sad. Uh, so what are like some ideas just like for people who are listening for like fun or unique beach episodes? Obviously classics, festival, actual beach, bathhouse, random bar. What are like some more unique um, settings for these downtime episodes? Um, I, I oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I really liked the whole hunting bit when we helped out mm -hmm. the uh, the town where we kind of like divulged, you know, more information, we, but yeah. it's still downtime. Yeah, we went fishing, we went hunting, we helped out because you know it, it feels like we're getting an opportunity to know the character as well as help the people and earn trust. I, I think those are some of the best downtimes. Yeah, like you can do so many different. I don't want to give too many away because then I, then it's like oh, <laughs> and you can't use them. But I mean, like like. For instance, traveling through a forest, they come upon a grove with a really beautiful pond and animals grazing at it. And it gives them a moment of introspection and a chance to kind of like appreciate the beauty around them. Um, coming upon an oasis in a desert uh, where, you know, they've been traveling and everything has been so hard. And this gives them a moment to just realize that there are spots of hope, uh, even in the most desolate places. Um, uh, coming upon a ruin. And not necessarily a ruin that's like haunted or or dangerous or something like that could just be a ruined piece of society that has been lost to time and it gives them a moment to try and understand what civilization or what happened here um and and chat about it and get to know the characters and what they're interested in uh, there are like so so many different things and it doesn't necessarily have to be like i'm building this entire session around this thing uh <laughs> often the players will do that for you. Like you'll, you'll be like, oh, I'm just gonna have this side thing that they won't really even care about. I'm gonna have this gigantic old tree be in the center of this forest and they're gonna come upon it. And it's just gonna be really, really strange. And then the players will take it for like two hours trying to figure out like, how the fuck did this thing get here? Like what lives in it? What creatures call it home? Like what kind of leaves does it bloom? Uh, you know, does it have any special like ecosystem around it? All of this stuff. Um, and they'll run with it more so than you having mm -hmm. to do much of anything. So that's generally what I try to do is I try to find like these small things that will pique someone's interest. And it often does. Like, it's like, hey, you hear about this thing. And it's like against a player's nature, just be like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> why would the, like the DM just told me that for no reason, though? They're like, no matter what, they're like, this has to be something important, whether it is or isn't. But it often gives them like a fun little chase. And at the end of it, they learn something, whether it be something in the plot, uh, whether it be getting something out of it, or whether it just be learning something about who their character is and who they built them in this world. So I think it tends to work out. Fun. They spend the session in climbing the giant tree and find yeah. like 
pixies or something in the branches. Yeah. Fun times. Okay, um, so that is going to be our time for tonight. We have one more minute. That's not enough time for a question. So we're ending uh, 50 seconds early. Thank you guys for being on the show. Um, thank you to everyone who's watching, who tunes in week after week to watch us talk about D&D, &D, weird dirty shit. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> weird, weird, strange, dirty Can I just stuff. say, my boss <laughs> noticed my jacket and... My boss is like a director of engineering, by the way. So it's like, he's like not like a low end manager. Anyway, he uh, was like, he was like, oh yeah, uh, like, nice Letterman jacket. And I was like, yeah, it's from this like nerdy RPG show that I watch. He's like Critical Role. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking, you know, Critical Role? And then he started getting into D&D. &D. He was like, yeah, my original DM like moved to Seattle and then all my friends split up and he's like, I can't play anymore. And I was like, oh. The game that brings people I'm, together. I'm finding yeah. a way. I'm going to find a way to talk to him. And I might make him watch the stream at one point. So. Ooh, I've tossed the stream level. around my coworkers as yeah. well. Because, yeah, I mean, one of my coworkers found the well. stream. That's awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were I, stalking I, me online. I, I, Jake, so, yeah. I almost want to invite him to play uh, maybe as a guest on it. I, That'd be I, fun. I could, but, yeah. it, that would actually be really fun and yeah. a good topic to approach at another time. Guest yeah. players. Yeah, guest players. Good idea. Anyway, okay, I just well, wanted to call that out. <laughs> um, who did I thank already? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank the guests, the future guests. Um, thanks to the audience. Thank you to Lady Meows and Sunbird who do who did our logo and our theme music, both of which are beautiful. Um, tune in again next week to see what we're going to talk about. Maybe guests, maybe something else. Um, and tune in on Friday to see what happens next now that the characters are out of that cave and ready to move on. Um, thank you and good night. Have fun. See y'all later. Thanks for watching.